If you don't know by your own personal experience that uh, he's alive, um, I pray that, that today's a good day, uh, not because of, uh, of the day that we've labeled or a day that's been titled, but it's the day because it's today, now, being the current time that you're in. Uh, I just want to say it's good to see you all this morning, and uh, I'm thankful that God has blessed us with another privilege and opportunity to be in his house today. So I always covet your prayers. Uh, I always just want to do what God wants me to do and to say the things that uh, I feel like God's laid upon my heart. Uh, and the only way I know to do that is to follow after him. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I have a few places I want you to turn to if you can, uh, to the book of Exodus chapter 17 and to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Those two places in the Old Testament. So if you've got little ribbons or bookmarks, uh, go ahead and, and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 17 uh, and also to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And we'll get to those places in just a moment. Uh, but to kind of maybe give you a little bit more help, uh, we're going to also turn over to the book of Second Peter chapter 1. So to kind of help with uh, uh, flipping around a little bit, you can turn to the book of Exodus chapter 17 the book of Isaiah chapter 53, um, and eventually we'll get over to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you've got a bookmark or some ribbons, um, you just go ahead and mark those few places and we'll get to uh, Exodus 17, Isaiah 53, uh, and 2 Peter chapter 1 here in just a minute. But having said that, I want to uh, read, if I may, a verse found in the book of Acts um, that I want to read to you in just a moment. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and read in Acts, uh, in the first chapter, the third verse. I want to read this one verse if I can. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Now, again, when I say many infallible proofs, these are things that are unmistakable proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of of God. I want you to look at uh, the middle part of that third verse. Many infallible proofs. What is the purpose of the book of Acts? What was the whole purpose? The purpose of the book of Acts is to give us a record or maybe a, a historical account of the works of the church. Folks, if you are a part of the Lord's church, you must have an experience where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you believe that there are many infallible proofs that you believe to be true and you've been saved. This actually goes back, and I'm going to read this. You don't have to turn over there. But this actually goes back into the, the, the gospel according to Luke in the very first chapter and in the uh, fourth verse talking about Theopolis. Listen to what happened. That... Luke said that the whole purpose for him writing this gospel is a summary of, 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 of Christ and his work. But he said in the fourth verse, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So Theopolis had an understanding of Christian belief. But listen to what Luke said. Luke said, I want you to have an understanding, but he said more so that thou mightest no. Let me ask you this morning a question. What things do you know to be true? We're going to look here in the book of Acts for just a minute. In this, in this very third verse where, where we talk about the beginning and uh, 
and the, the, of the beginning of the church and the history of the church and how the, the church was established and the power of the church. But he says that the scriptures teach us that he showed himself alive after his passion, which is his crucifixion, by many infallible proofs. There's one thing I hope that we all can agree on today is that Christianity or the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not something that is fiction or a fable. It is something we believe to be a fact. Folks, Jesus is not in a tomb and the reason is if he was in a tomb, he couldn't be in your soul. If he is in your soul, then that means he is alive. Do you have proof that Jesus is alive? And we see that Jesus, there was, there was a reason. Could Jesus have come and been sacrificed as a baby and, and God would have given a sacrifice? Yes. But the reason that Jesus spent a 33 and a third years was to prove, once again, notice that the idea is that God wanted to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. But isn't it amazing that there were people that thought that they, even though the proof was there, they chose not to believe the proof because they felt like it did not happen the way they thought it should. If he was a Messiah, he wouldn't be born in a cave. If he was a Messiah, he wouldn't be born in a place where there were animals that were, were around. He said, surely if this was a Messiah, he would be born in a kingdom or we might even consider a castle. But what we have to understand is Jesus did not come to establish his kingdom on this earth. He was coming to deliver us from this earth to an eternal kingdom. And folks, I believe that that place is much more splendorous than what we have here. But you see, Jesus not only did prove himself... He also had to prove himself after he resurrected that he was alive and that it wasn't, his body wasn't stolen and taken somewhere. He needed proof. Listen to what the scripture said. He showed himself alive after his passion. This is something, these proofs cannot be ignored. For he says that he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. You know, there's a lot of theories that are, they have some evidence to them, but are they complete? You know, I've always found science amazing. Science can get up and they can predict some things and predict some things and they can got to get some theories and ideas. And when there's a little gap, matter of fact, it's called just that. When there's a little gap in proving what they have, they call it a theory. Folks, there's not a theory that Jesus is alive. I believe there's proof that Jesus is alive. How do I know that Jesus is alive? Preacher, you've never even been to the Holy Land and seen the tomb where Jesus was. I know he's alive. Rewinding what I said a minute ago, he's alive for folks. There is no way that anybody else could speak to me and live inside of me if he were dead. He is alive. If I ask for just a show of hands, even right here this morning, how many people are saved, we would have many infallible proofs that Jesus is alive. We could even right here in this little plot of land, we can prove that Jesus is alive. I don't need any kind of DNA evidence. We may have that by the blood that, that people have applied, but we know that he's alive because he lives with inside of us. And he began to appear and he says, many infallible proofs. Aren't you glad 
this morning to know this, that when it talks about these infallible proofs of a, of a resurrected and living Savior, that it's not just singular, that it's over and over and over and over again that he proves that he is alive. But you know what's amazing is that he proves that he's alive. He shows us that he's alive. But just like his birth, many people deny and they even doubt the very resurrection of Jesus Christ. For there are many infallible proofs. There's a lot of things in life that I think are supporting, lacking, supporting some kind of a Evidence And people might say, well, if we do this, we, we've got a little data and we've got a little information and studies that show this to be true. You know what I believe about Christianity and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I don't believe there's any holes in it. I don't believe there's any holes. And what I mean by holes is there's nothing that's not proven. There's nothing that is not real. There's nothing that, that, that we believe to be false. And I believe that there's plenty of evidence that Christ is alive and well. I've seen too many people have too many experiences not to be real. So this morning the question is, what proofs and experiences and evidence do you have for this morning, our very title comes from that very center portion of that third verse, many infallible proofs. For again, the whole idea was uh, of Acts was to try to prove to Theopolis that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. He said, I don't just want you to be told about a Christ. He said, I want you to know and experience a Christ. One of the great fears that I have in our world today is, is that people are experiencing other people. And what I mean by that is somebody will give an experience that says, well, if you've done this, you're saved, or if you will go do this, you'll get saved. Folks, today, I believe in this. I believe that if you're going to have an experience with Jesus Christ, it needs to come from him and from him alone. And when Jesus begins to speak, you become, much like Theopolis was, that you might know of certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. You know what I've learned about a truth and a lie? The truth doesn't mind being inspected. The truth doesn't mind being interrogated. But you know what a lie wants to do? A lie wants to hide. A lie wants you to leave them alone. And a lie wants you to say, let's don't dig a little deeper. Let's just let it be, folks. You can test and you can prove all you want. And I believe that there are many infallible proofs. Many infallible proofs that I believe exist that Jesus resurrected and he rose from the grave. And he spent 40 days here. But you know that Greek word, when you really get into the many infallible proofs, it actually comes from a word that means convincing proofs. You think about what it means to be convinced of something. I'm trying to convince you right now that it's cloudy outside or I'm trying to convince you that, 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 that it's cold outside or it's hot outside. Or If I convince you just because I say something doesn't mean that you, let me use this phrase, it doesn't mean you buy it or you buy in. You don't, you're not convinced that it's true. You know, I can believe in something all day long but that doesn't mean you believe in it. Folks, salvation is not about in whom I believe as far as your sake. It's about in whom do you believe 
for your sake. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was the son of God. I believe that he came to this earth. I believe he was crucified. I believe he died. I believe he resurrected. I believe he spent 40 days. I believe he ascended to heaven and I believe he's coming back again. I believe those things. But just because I believe them does not mean you believe them. And you know what, today I don't want to say you're free to believe what you want, but there are many infallible proofs that Jesus resurrected. There are many infallible proofs. And these today are not just the, <coughs> excuse me, it's not just the fact today that, that there are just some kind of evidence that kind of gives us a small inkling. Folks, I believe there are many infallible proofs. We're not just talking about quantity of proof. We're talking about quality of proof. Folks, have you ever came across somebody in your life that you just knew they were a true, born-again child of God? What made you think that? What made you understand that another person is saved? For there are many infallible proofs. I believe that when it comes to relationship with Christ, I believe that there's doubt that can be removed. Let's go back to the book of Exodus for just a minute. Exodus chapter 17, we read about the children of Israel and how they were wondering and how that God wanted them to have an experience of what He could provide for them. But let's read, I want to read to you that fifth verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel. He said, He said, I'm about to do a work. He said, I don't want you to experience this and be the only one to experience. He said, I want witnesses. You know what today? I believe there are people right here in our midst today that are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may not have seen him with your eyes the way Peter's going to see him in just a minute. But I believe that you are a witness and you are a testimony that he is alive. For he said, go before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel in thy rod wherein thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. God's telling Moses, he said, Moses, there are people that have not experienced the miracle. He said, you're going to experience the miracle and then you're going to tell them about the miracle, the proof that I have delivered you. Folks, are you here today and are you proof that God is alive through his son, Jesus Christ, that he is alive and well? If you are proof, are you going back to the congregation and telling people? I hope that we're not silent about what God has done. I hope that we are not a, a, a mute people that's not going to tell others. I pray this morning that there are many infallible truths and that we can raise our hands saying we are one of those infallible proofs that Jesus is alive. We become part of that number. We are proof. We are evident. And Jesus is, excuse me, God is telling Moses, he said, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod. Truth and a lie. Fraud. You know what fraud doesn't like? And fraud doesn't like to be investigated. Why? They're, they're afraid you'll figure out how wrong it is. You know what? You can, you can test God out all that you want. You're going to find out that he is to be true. You don't have to turn over, but let me read to you uh, Psalm 48 and verse 12. Walk about Zion and go around about her. He said, just check out Zion. Let me, let me tell you something. If you're here and you're unsaved, just watch the people of God. Psalm 48, 12 said, Walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. 
Mark ye her bulwarks. Consider her palace, that ye may tell it to the generation following. He said, you can investigate it all you want. He said, you know what you're going to find out? That it's true. You know, today, you can test all you want to. Is Jesus alive? There's theories out there of how he could not be alive and how that he really did die and and all these things that are out there. But I am telling you again and again and again this morning, Jesus is alive. There are many infallible proofs and he's alive because a dead man can't talk. We're not talking about a statue of wood or or, or maybe of, uh, of some other substance. We're talking about a living being that I believe is alive and well today. And you know where I believe Jesus is? You might say heaven. Well, he's right in my heart. It's exactly where he is. He is in heaven. That's a true statement. That was a trick question. But the truth is, is not only is he in heaven, but by his spirit, he dwells in his people. God begins to tell him. He said, you can go and investigate. You can check out all these things that you want to. He said, but I can give you some facts that he is alive. You know, the beginning of Jesus' ministry During his ministry, at the end of his ministry, do you know what he continued to say throughout the whole thing? It was all based on the fact of his resurrection. Jesus would have been a liar if he would have said he was going to rise again when he didn't. Folks, Jesus spoke the truth. And if he said he was going to rise again, you know what? He was going to rise again. And he told even to those closest to him, he said, I'm going to go through some some persecution and some torture, he said. But in three days, he said, I'm going to rise again. Folks, if Jesus said these things are going to happen, we must believe they are going to happen. For in the book of Isaiah, if you mark that, what are these proofs that we have? What is this evidence that Moses needed witnesses to prove and to show people what had happened? And they weren't going to be a silent people. They were going to go back to the congregations and tell people, look what God's done, folks. Our churches are way too quiet now. We need to tell people and give proof of what God has done. Has God done anything in your life? I hope we all can say amen. He's done a lot of things in my life. But the book of Isaiah gives us A great revelation in 53rd chapter, in the very first verse. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In other words, his strength. Who who is experienced, not based off somebody else's knowledge, but by their own experience, the power of God. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, He hath no form nor commonness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. But notice what he begins in that first verse. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Folks, I believe that God has manifested his power to many people on this earth. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody here that's ever experienced the power of God? Is there anybody? If you're here this morning and you're saved, I'm going to go ahead and answer for you. You have experienced the power of God. And listen to what Isaiah begins to ask his question. He says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 
I pray that when we leave this place in a minute, there is no doubt to anybody sitting around us or in our proximity that the arm or the strength of God is upon us. Not only does God deliver us from sin, but is there anybody here today that's been delivered from temptation? Is there anybody today that's been delivered from the trials of life? Folks, I believe in the strong arm of God. And you know what? And when God delivers, I pray that we don't become a silent people, that we give infallible proof that God that uses his son Jesus through the Holy Spirit and that he is alive and that we tell others that we have experienced his arm. For he says, he shall grow up before him. You know, I, I love when we talk about the power of God. You and I need power. God is his own power. When we see here that we grow up before him, that, that God gives us the things that we need through all the, the doubts that we have. And when, when it shouldn't happen, it does. But it says, as a tender plant. You know, when you think there's nothing there, God's going to make something. And I'm going to hurry through this, but it says, as a root out of dry land. You know, it talked about David being out of the root of Jesse. And it talks about Christ and his lineage and who he, he's going to come from. You know what I believe today? That he was a root out of dry ground in an environment that things should not grow and prosper. He said, I'm going to give life in the middle of that. Folks, aren't you glad to know that right in the midst of, of the deadness of our soul that he can speak life to us? That if you're here today and you've been spoken to by the Spirit of God, you have experienced his power. There are many infallible proofs right here. That God is alive and well today. For let's read that second verse of Isaiah chapter 53. There is no beauty that we should desire Him. I want you to know today is that Christ didn't come with a lot of fame. He didn't come with a lot of, of, of pomp and a lot of glory. But I'll tell you this. I believe that if you could, I'd love to read in the book of um, in the Song of Solomon, how that, that, that the, the, the love began to leave and how when the love came back that there was a great, uh, uh, there was a great army with them. Aren't you glad today to know that Jesus was born in, in the capacity by which he was born? But I want to tell you, next time he comes back, he is coming back as King Jesus. He is coming back victorious. He is coming back and not only has he told us these things, but there, is many, there are many infallible proofs that Jesus is going to reign forever and ever. And when we see that he comes, he says, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I believe that there's going to be a glorious coming of Jesus Christ and I believe in that. Why so many people doubted that? Over and over again, he kept proving himself. And again, you, you can see the theme through all of these scriptures. It's about proof. It's about evidence. It's about us being like Theopolis. That we have this knowledge that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Do you know with certainty that Jesus is alive? I hope and pray that every person here can say, you know that. For let me turn back into the book of 2 Peter, if you mark that verse. Second Peter, chapter 2. Excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 16. He's talking about how that we should be grounded. 
For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Peter was one of them, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. That transfiguration. That Jesus that they didn't have to depend on secondhand knowledge. They didn't have to depend on somebody else telling them that Jesus was alive. They knew it because of their own personal encounter with Jesus. Many people today in the world will say, if you want to be saved, you got to do, say this or do this. Well, did you do that? Yes. Did you say that? Yes. Then you're saved. Folks, that is using Jesus in that context, but is it about a personal relationship where you know that Jesus is alive and well? Not based off somebody else, what they've told you, or even what somebody else has done. Have you yourself, are you convinced, which is also a word that we used, convicted, are you convinced that there are many infallible proofs? That Jesus is alive. For notice what he talks about. He says, for we were eyewitnesses. Go on in that 18th verse. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard. Again, it's not a depend upon somebody else to tell us that this is God. We, we experienced it for ourselves. It's experimental knowledge. And, and again, th this happened over and over and over in the scriptures where people needed to have their own individual experience with Christ. For we have heard, know what he says in the 18th verse, from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. They knew in the crucifixion. They believed in the crucifixion. They knew it wasn't a, a, a fiction. They knew it wasn't something that was a fable. They knew that to be true. And why? Because they had experience. So today, if I tell you that Jesus is alive and well, how do you know that? Is it because somebody told you? Or is it because you have experienced Him for yourself? There are many infallible proofs. And you know... Not everything in this world has to be proven. Do I have to go outside and prove to you that there's a sun in the sky? I, it's going to take a pretty uh, stubborn person, if I can say that, to go tell me that there's not a sun shining right now and the sun doesn't exist, for I believe in that. Folks, God doesn't need evidence to himself to prove God is his own proof. He can prove and he can validate everything in and of himself. But for just a minute... I want to look at a few scriptures. I'm not going to read through all these. I want to hush it just a minute. But you know, when Jesus resurrected, the very first person was Mary. Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? Many infallible proofs. Then he goes on and he appears unto Mary and even unto others. We go on and you can see uh, Cleopas and another man on the road to Emmaus. You can see where Christ revealed himself unto them. And you notice all these people had their own personal relationship knowing that Jesus was alive. Again, it goes back to there are many infallible proofs. Do you know that? You read in the book of Luke chapter 24, the disciples begin to experience a resurrected Savior. How many proofs do you need to believe that Jesus is alive? 
John chapter 21, when the disciples, when they were out fishing, guess who appeared unto them while they were about their everyday lives? You know what I love about Jesus? A resurrected Savior will appear to you while you're doing your everyday things. Folks, there are people saved outside of church. There are people saved outside doing everyday things. They're in a garden. They used to love to hear the testimony of the lady that was saved out in the watermelon patch. Sometimes everyday things, we get an appearance of Christ, a resurrected Christ. Sometimes you're out doing your everyday jobs. Sometimes you're sitting in a church house regardless of where you are. Aren't you glad today to know that Jesus reveals himself unto us and he begins to appear unto them? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll read just a few of these for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 6 verse. After that, this is talking about the resurrection of Jesus. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. How many proofs do you need that Jesus is alive? 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. The seventh verse. After that, it just keeps going. After that, he was seen of James. That's not the end of that. He said, then, he said, of all the apostles. Listen to what Paul said. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. I can, there's a lot of things in life I know that I'm uncertain about, but I can stand up and I can say just like Paul that I know Jesus is alive too. Paul said, I didn't just depend on this person, this person, and this person. He said, all these people were experiencing Jesus. And he said, I experienced Jesus. You know where Paul experienced him? He was on the road to Damascus and there was this uh, light that began to shine around him that was brighter than the noonday sun. And there was a voice that came unto heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Listen to this 15th chapter, how it talks about over and over and over again that God appears and he says, at last of all he was seen of me also. I want you to know this morning, I pray that, 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 that you are part of those infallible proofs that Jesus is alive and well, that you've experienced him and you've experienced him in his fullness. For I want to close in just a minute, if I can find it in the book of Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, it's about verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake unto me. And behold, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of those candlesticks, I saw something different. Not just a normal person, a resurrected person. One like unto the Son of Man. But the difference was it was closed with garments down to the foot. It was girt about the paps with the golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as flames of fire. This is not just a normal person. Jesus took on the flesh like you and I had, but he also resurrected out of that. And his feet likened to fine brass, as if they burned in the furnace. In his voice as the sound 
of many waters. In other words, it was a sound, it was as soothing and different as anything else he'd ever heard. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and with his countenance was that the sun shineth in the strength. And when I saw him, listen to what John said, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid upon me, fear not, for I am the first and the last. I, this is Jesus speaking. That's red letters. I love that. Jesus himself said, I am he that liveth and was dead. That's past tense, folks. Jesus was not dead. Or it, it, currently at that time, he said, I was dead. But he said, behold... I am alive forevermore. When Jairus' daughter was resurrected from the grave, when Lazarus was resurrected from the grave, they lived to die another day. When Jesus was resurrected from the grave, it was not to die another day. He was eternally alive. And you know what? When He gives us eternal life, it is just that. It's not for a little while. It's eternally. There are many infallible proofs. That's not the end of that verse. He said, I am alive forevermore. And he goes on to say, amen. He said, not only am I alive, he said, I have the keys of hell and of death. I pray this morning if you're here and you don't, you don't have that proof in your life that Jesus is alive and well, that you realize he has the key. Do you know what a key does to a door? It gives access the only way you can access heaven is through the one speaking right here. Folks, let's sum this up a little bit differently. The only way you can access heaven is through Jesus. And he said, I am the door. He's the access. He's the means by which we can get there. There was one door on Noah's ark. And when God shut it, he said, that was it. God today gives us access. And how does God give us access to this eternal place we call heaven? We get access through Jesus Christ. And he said, I have the keys over the death. And he said, I have the keys over hell. He said, if you want access to this, he said, see the many infallible proofs that are there. He said, and believe in them. For there in the book of Acts, I'm going to read this one more time and I'm hushing. He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Many infallible proofs. And folks, there's a lot more I could read to you today, but we're going to sing a song. And let's go ahead and get a song if we can. I'm finished. But I pray that others here would feel the need and the burden on their heart.